so excited to be back with Enjoying the Journey today. We have a special guest. It is Pastor Ebony Small. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. I don't know how many of our listeners know who you are. Maybe lots, maybe not very many. So can you tell us just a little bit about yourself, what you do, and and why you love it? It is my honor to do that. And thank you so much for having me as a guest. I am always, I would say, truly excited for the opportunity just to share a little bit of my life's journey um, with others and coupled with that, the experiences um, that I've encountered that really have gone into helping me shape to be the person I am today. Um, I am a born, uh, let's say I was let's say born and raised New Yorker uh-huh. I'm from New York State, specifically the Bronx is where I live now, but I was actually born in Harlem. Uh, did much of my schooling in the state of New York and um, now work for a ministry based in Minneapolis called Pulse. Um, part of our mission certainly is to awaken culture to the reality of Jesus and to make Jesus known. Um, I also get the privilege to serve as an associate pastor at my local church back in New York, Bethel Gospel Assembly. And what I so love about my journey at Bethel, that this is the church that I have been a part of since I was seven years old. And it is where I first accepted Christ at the age of 11. And so to be able to serve as part of the leadership of the team there um, now is, is, is incredible. It's a daily reminder to me about my journey. And so I'm so grateful for that. Um, and yeah, I, I love what I do. I released a book last year during the pandemic called The Leader in You, Discovering Your Unexpected Path to Influence. And it's available everywhere books are sold. And in my free time, I love consulting and training um, with other nonprofits and ministries. And so I also launched right before COVID. Um, a consulting company called Transforming Leaders Consulting. So life is full, but it is purposeful, and I am grateful. Yeah, I heard you use the word free time. I'm like, uh, are you sure? Are you sure this? So, what is it like <clears throat> to be an associate pastor? And and you said you still live in New York, right? Did I catch that I right? Yeah. But I know we are chatting, and you're in Minneapolis right now. Yeah. You work with Pulse, and of course, I I think some of our listeners do, but I understand Pulse and kind of the levels that you guys run at. There's not a lot of downtime. I I mean, you're doing a lot of events. Does it get difficult to switch from what I'm doing at Pulse to to being that associate pastor uh, back home? Yeah, um, I would say not so much difficult, but I do have to be intentional, certainly with my time. Mm-hmm. Uh, also intentional with um, understanding the hat that I need to wear based upon the different roles that I have. And, you know, also how God is leveraging me as a leader in both of these respective ministries, which has two different dynamics. Um, and, and I would say all of my learning in terms of how to navigate to, let's say, two distinctly different uh, to a degree um, assignments um, is what I hold near and dear in terms of 
bringing uh, to any responsibility, if it's a job, if it's volunteer, if it's family, an understanding of what's God's purpose and intention for me in that particular role. Um, I think so much of what people attempt to do is make a role or an assignment about what they want it to be versus allowing the Lord to inform and instruct um, whatever vein of, of their life that he's wanting to leverage and use at that time. Um, and what I find right now, definitely in being an associate pastor and certainly being here at Pulse that I can fully run at the pastoral level, you know, at church, but at here, yeah, the gift of shepherding can certainly be in operation, but there are other dynamics of Ebony as a leader that have to be on display as well. And I have to be adaptable. I have to be flexible and um, really embody servant leadership. And I think if it, if it was not for that type of understanding and that type of training and equipping, I don't know how effective, you know, I'd be um, in, in these two different roles, but they are very life-giving and very meaningful. And it's, it's truly an honor for me to serve both ministries in these ways. That's awesome. So, so are you flying back weekly or, or not quite as often, or, or is it more daily? Well, you know, I am traveling weekly at this stage of life for one reason or another. I'm yeah. a great thing with Pulse is that we have ministry related, um, I would say partners or activities happening in different parts of the country. Um, but with regard to my time here in our office, I pretty much um, try to spend about a week, a month here. Okay. Um, so much of that had definitely ceased because of COVID, but now um, things have picked back up and we reopened our offices in early May. Nice. Um, or maybe mid-May, actually. So, yeah, I'm here. I'll be, Lord willing, looking forward to getting back home tomorrow and be hitting back on the road for uh, more ministry work next week in Chicago. Oh, very nice. And and you said your faith journey started at seven. Did I hear that right? Yes. Yes. Yeah, so can yeah. you walk us through that a little bit? Yeah, what was pivotal for my family is my mom's salvation. Um, at the time, my mom had uh, had been recently divorced and uh, was pursuing God in the ways that she needed to pursue Him, and it it has changed the trajectory of our family. And she has since, you know, remarried, and um, our family um, has a foundation of relationship with Jesus as a result of how God led her in her life. Um, through you know her being so involved you know in our local church through new believers classes it brought my brother and I to church and um, I think naturally for any kid we love church for the activities and yeah. we love church for the other kids that we get to be with um, but I had an incredible undeniable encounter with God when I was 11 uh, it was one that I did not fully understand and um, for many people, they would, you know, be familiar with the term like altar call and yep, there was yep. an altar call encounter experience. And, you know, I really felt God signaling me out in that moment. And I had this profound understanding, even as a child, that there was a decision before me that I had to make. Um, and I was able to thank God, you know, ask the Lord to be my Lord and Savior at that time. But I would say 
from that point forward, and I write about this in my book, I did not understand at all what that meant. Um, now, we might say that that's the fault of the follow-up ministry of my church or the fault of family or whatever, but I didn't understand discipleship. Um, I didn't understand the lordship of Jesus. I didn't understand that there could be relationship with God, like I have relationships with friends and family. Um, and it wouldn't be until I came to a crisis point in my young adult years, like after returning home from college, um, that there was a real reality within me of needing God. Um, and that drew me back to a place of faith that drew me uh, back to um, going to the physical church building on a more consistent basis and doing that by myself, which was new for me because I was used to going to church only with my family. Mm -hmm. um, but there was this sense of I need God. And if I've got to go by myself, I've got to go. Um, and 25 um, years old, that was a turning point in my life where I would say I had a rededication point um, with God. And it has changed the trajectory of my life since then. Is, is that when you kind of knew he's calling me into ministry or pastoring? Because, yeah, that's a that's a big, exciting call. And. Yeah. How, how did that come about that? You're like, OK, God, yep, I'm I'm ready to be a pastor or, or I'm willing to go down that road. You know, all of this, even present day, everything that I am experiencing in my relationship with God is nothing that I planned and that I could have any forethought, I would say, to say yes to. Um, but I was certainly on this accelerated path of spiritual maturity and spiritual formation after that place of rededication. So I started New Believers class and uh, my church, we have a Christian education ministry that offered these wonderful discipleship courses. And through those activities, my, my life, I began to be connected with different people and where and what I would credit so much of my present day journey to was God sending people in my life to see areas of gifting and calling that I just had no frame of reference were even there. Um, and within two years of, of rededicating my life, I was already going into seminary. Wow. Um, and I would think a, a, a critical turning point for me was reading Purpose Driven Life by Rick Warren. Um, I was able to start to make some linkages between um, natural abilities that I was exploring and, and having within various relationships. I was starting to see a common theme within my life of being someone that counseled people, you know, being someone that people look to for leadership. And I started to reckon with, well, could that be what my life's vocation should look like? Um, and uh, I was encouraged to join the ministers in training program. Um, at my local church and, and my pastor uh, lovingly allowed me to be a part of the program, but by all intense purposes, I wasn't the ideal candidate for it. Uh, you know, again, I had only been back at the church for two years and, you know, he was getting to know me afresh and anew. Certainly he had known of me when I was a, a child, but now he's encountering me. But he was gracious and he allowed me, I'm sure the Lord spoke to him and directed him, but mm -hmm. I was a part of that program for seven years and coupled with seminary, it was a training ground. It was an equipping ground. It was my first introductory to serving in ministry. Um, I started, I mean, I probably served with 10 different ministries, but one of them being the women's ministry. 
I mean, that's where I discovered a passion for ministering to women and supporting women. And I used to lead this empowerment group that I would say I was tricked into leading. Um, the elder over that ministry said to me, you know, I want to put, I want you to put together a curriculum for what an empowerment group could look like for women. And, and then I want you to bring it back to me. And I said, okay, sure. Yeah, I'll be happy to do that because she was my intern supervisor as part of my seminary requirements. So I was like, yeah, I can do that. And next thing you know, she told me I was the leader for this group. And I just was like, what in the world is happening? But oh, when I say it is was one of the biggest joys of my life and something I ended up doing for five years. And I would say that that five year period of life was what cemented for me that there was a call on my life to minister to people. Um, it was during that five year stretch that I preached my first sermon um and started to become aware that i had this gift of both preaching and teaching and so i've been on this incredible um learning experience this journey with god where if you had told me 20 plus years ago that i would be a pastor i would have never believed you um, i didn't have a frame of reference for that in my family um, we don't, I don't have a family of a long line of preachers and ministers, um, at all. And so this is new for my family. Mm. Um, this is, this is certainly new for me and I am daily discovering new <laughs> wonders with God. Well, that's, that's a great point you bring up. Um, what is it like for your family since this is a totally different direction than, than what the rest of your family does? I'm assuming they're in different vocations, obviously. Yeah, my, my family's actually, my immediate family is all in New York City. Um, okay. It was very difficult for us at first. And I would say particularly with my parents, because I had some very radical, um, I would say, encounters with God, which led me to make some very radical decisions. Mm -hmm. One was re resigning from a role um, that was my only full-time employment. And uh, it was one largely, of course, any child or a young adult coming home to tell their parents, I've resigned from my job because I believe God told me to do that. And I'm going to seminary. <laughs> Naturally, parents are going to think you're crazy. Right. What's happening? Who is this God that you're hearing from? Are you trying to model your life after other people? And we went through that and it was tough. Um, but that period of my life is where I really learned that in order to serve God, you have to obey God and you have to be resilient in that obedience, even when the people closest to you might not understand. And so we embarked on a very difficult season where I you know, moved out of my home kind of abruptly. My parents didn't put me out, but I left um, because you know I wanted to honor them, but I also wanted to honor what God was doing within me. And I needed to be in a space where I could let that process get completed. Um, I couldn't explain it, but I knew that that was a defining season in my life. I just had this profound sense of um, that I am supposed to be serving God wholly with my life. I had been working in nonprofit since I had graduated from college. And I just, I didn't even know at that point if I'd ever work for another company again. Um, but the amazing reality is that I didn't even know this whole parachurch world existed. I didn't know about parachurch organizations. The only thing I knew that if you wanted to serve God, you did that in the local church. You know, you were a pastor, maybe you were on staff in the church, but I didn't know that that would be my path. But I knew that there was something stirring within me and I wanted to do, you know, whatever was required 
for God to reveal to me what my purpose was. Because at that time I was yearning to know my purpose. And so if you could imagine for four years, I did not have a full-time job, mm. went to seminary, completed it, a, you know, a faithful volunteer, you know, at my local church during the midst of that whole stretch, but still before my family, they're very much trying to figure out what is happening with my life. Cause now I have a master's degree. I'm more than capable of having a job, but here I don't have one. And um, it was hard for, for them. It was hard for me. But God and his amazing faithfulness um, proved to me that I was on the right path. And then eventually um, I was uh, shown a job, a, a job advertisement uh, mm -hmm. for this organization, the New York City Leadership Center that was hiring for an events manager. But the key was this was a faith based organization. And it was like all the bells were going off because whereas I didn't feel the freedom to apply for other jobs, I felt the freedom to apply for this. But I said, this is Christ-centered. It's events management. That had been my career field to that point. That was where all my work experience was. I applied for the job and I had it in, in two weeks. And it was a ministry that I served at for eight years oh, wow. um, that I end up growing in that I ends up meeting Nick Hall through, okay. that I ends up serving the Table Coalition on the board. And that's where Nick Hall and I got connected. Yeah. And again, that four year period was that defining crossroads in my life where if I didn't remain steadfast to what I sensed in my spirit, I absolutely would not be at Pulse today. Mm -hmm. I don't think I'd be a pastor um, because I would have conceded to what people's opinions of Ebony would have been versus what God was wanting to do in Ebony at the time. How bad was that that battle? When uh, when they're coming at you, but you have this yearning, young, you know something in your spirit where, where God is leading you, but you can't see what I would call the finish line yet. You, you can't see that full-time job or whatever. How difficult was that to stay the course when your family around you is seeing things differently? It was painful. Um, it was at times I felt very isolated, um, even though God had surrounded me with people who would encourage me for sure. Um, I was filled with doubt a lot of days and questioned whether or not I had heard God incorrectly or was making the wrong decision. Um, and I also felt very fatigued, like on, on a spiritual level of feeling like you're carrying a weight and a burden that you're not getting any relief from. Um, and then I also felt misunderstood. Um, I felt that even when I graduated from seminary, that folks were giving me like the proverbial pat on the back for having graduated, but questioning in their mind, what are you going to do with a degree that's uh, in a religious, you know, based theology? Yeah. Um, and so I felt all of that. I felt what was said and what was unsaid um, in my encounters with many people. Um, and it was hard and it was painful. It really, really was. But in the midst of it, there were some sweet moments with God where he affirmed, just like he did with Jesus, uh, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And I, I had those moments where I felt the affirmation of God um, in, in that direction. And God has since restored relationship with family. And um, I have an incredible, you know, relationship in terms of uh, they're fully being able to see now um, what God had been doing all that time. And 
you know, they get to celebrate in, in the joys that God is um, doing in and through my life. And we get to share in it all as a family. But uh, for many years, it was not that way. They never withdrew support from me. Um, sure. Never, never did. But certainly had a lot of questions around the whys of what I was doing. But now I, I, I've been, I believe that they trust that she does hear from God. And she's not trying to make the decisions to or make decisions that are pleasing to other people, but that she really wants to please the Lord. And, and that's all that I ever could ask for. I don't even ask for people to understand my decisions at this point, because, you know, God's ways are not our ways and people are not going to understand. So I've sacrificed needing people to understand my decisions. Um, I do recognize that at some point they'll see what, what I sense and yes. that's okay for me. That's <laughs> We, we, we have a lot of similarities. When I started our organization, Rise, uh, we're 20 years yeah. old now. Uh, my wife was not for it. Two years, mm. she was not for it. And I'm just like, God, I don't know if I can do this if she's not for it. My dad became a, a pastor later on mm. in life. So he's about 35, 40, whatever, uh, his second vocation. And I remember talking to him. I'm like, my mom is not a pastor's wife. I'm like, how did you ever say yes to God? And he just goes, you know what, God? I, this is what he told me. He goes, God, I'll do it, but I won't, I won't do it alone. I won't lose yeah. my marriage. I won't whatever. And, and I remember having some of those same conversations with God. Just, God, I believe this. I know, I, I think I know you're calling me to this, but you got to help my wife see this. And two yeah. years into it, she finally did. And then in 08, 09, when the economy was kind of rough and whatever, I was about done. I was exhausted. I was tired. I was fatigued. You used the word yeah. fatigue. Yeah. I'm like, I'm done. And then my wife looked at me and goes, you can't quit now. I'm like, you told me I couldn't start. Now I can't quit. And, and then she said this. She said, our kids will have experiences other kids don't. And my wow. wife has been dead right ever since. They have experienced ministry in, in ways that other people don't always get that opportunity. And so I can understand completely when you feel a sense and a call and those yeah. around you are going, you're, you're nuts. What are you talking about? Well, I'm not sure I know hundred percent what I'm talking right. about, but this is where I need to go. Right. Oh no, that is so good. What, what is, what is God teaching you right now? Wow. He is teaching me strict obedience. Mm. Um, how, how is that going? <laughs> those, are, those are strong words. Leaving my job, you know, many years ago was maybe one of the diff most difficult things God would ever ask of me to do. But, you know, I'm in this season of life now where God is not just saying leave job, but very much like Abraham, leave location and, oh. you know, where where home has been for me. And he is literally launching me into um, another state in, in North Carolina. And oh, wow. here I am, you know, on this faith journey again, you yes. know, having this sense in my spirit that God is sending me and trying to explain, <laughs> explain that. <laughs> Oh, to people in my life. But um, yeah, so with, with that strict obedience, um, I am now like certainly having experienced a, a, a lot with God um, in the past, I would say, you know, 15 to 17 years of my life that I understand and I 
can trust that if God is directing me in something, it is for my good, that it is going to prosper me and not harm me. Um, And I just got to wrestle in my emotions and my feelings um, with that, but I've got to obey. And I don't want to be in this place of delayed obedience. Like I just, I I want to be in, in God's perfect will. But that always requires we make some incredibly radical decisions at times. And so um, what strict obedience has been looking like for me right now is, is not questioning the how, Lord, or mm. the why, Lord. Sure. But it's just the yes, Lord. You know, if this is what you're doing, this is where you're sending. I've been here with you before. I've watched you deliver before and I've got to trust that your way for me in this is perfect. So, you know, it's the same emotions, a little bit of trepidation, but excitement that you know that something incredible is on the other side of this because you know this. Now you know who God is. You know something awesome is on the other side. But in order to get there, I I define it like a crucible. Um, it, It feels oftentimes like, you know, that sacrifice that comes through a, a, a death experience where there's some things that have to be permanently laid down maybe before God and other things that have to be taken up, you know, like from the altar of your own life. And so I'm in that, in that space again. And um, I just want to quickly obey and, and be definitely where planted, where I need to be. Oh, that is so good. Yeah. I, I, I've said this over and over again on this podcast that God has just raised up the right guest for me personally, whether nobody else gets anything listening from this, he has put the right people at the right time in my life, whatever wrestling season I'm going through. And he just gave you not just one word, but he's given you many throughout this podcast where it's like, okay, God, thank you for that. I I needed that. Mm -hmm. And what you just said is what that was. And that is, the strict obedience, that part I, I don't like because it's tough and hard and whatever, but I understand it completely. But it's yeah. you have to lay something down that you can't see because something awesome is coming. I love, love, love that you just use the word awesome because mm-hmm. on the trials, we don't see the awesome side. Yes. We see the heartache side, but 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 to hold on to, as you mentioned, he's met us before. He's proved himself faithful before, of course, there's something awesome on the other side. So thank you for that. I needed to hear that. And so, yeah. And you know what? Thank you so much for just expounding upon that because in these moments is when I'm, I get why God had the people of Israel establish an altar at every place where he significantly met them as a point of remembrance because he knew that we would need the physical remembrance of this is the God that met me when I was at that critical point and delivered me and manifested his promises. He knows us. He knows we can get amnesia really quick. We can pray for something for 50 years. It happens and we move on. And it's like we forget the 50 years that we were long suffering, waiting for God to do it. And listen, I am no different. I forget. And I just thank God for those markers in my life where I can be reminded of, I have been here with the Lord before and his name is faithful and he will be faithful to me. 
So good. So good. Ebony, we have loved our time together. There is a question that we love to ask all of our guests. And because we call it enjoying the journey, we always like to ask if there is anybody that you could have on the this journey with you right now, who would it be? Wow, a person. Yes, and, and that can be past, present, not future, because I don't know who the Now, when you say with me in life or on this podcast? No, with you in life, on your wow. journey. Wow. I would have to say um, a friend of mine, his name is Clay. Okay. Um, I would enjoy immensely having him on this journey with me because he has been I'm so instrumental in God's working in my life in the past four years. And I would love for him to totally be able to understand and embrace how God has used him as part of my journey mm-hmm. and certainly me as part of his journey. And just I'm so grateful for his friendship um, and all that. That is awesome. And as we wrap things up today, are there any takeaways that you would like to leave our, our listeners today? I believe that the time that we are in um, is certainly one where God is um, separating, if we even look at the scriptures, like the wheat from the tares, separating that which cannot remain and go with us on our journey Mm. versus that which is seed like wheat and can continue to be cultivated to produce a harvest. And I would um, encourage us, no one likes the process of cultivation and no one likes the process of pruning and refining. But if we want the certainty that we will end up on the Lord's side with him when he returns for his bride, then certainly um, we have to live this whole gospel in a way that is authentic um, and in a way that keeps us in right standing with the Father. And we cannot do that apart from perpetual and continual sacrifice in our life. And we cannot do that without the pruning and the refining process of God. So Matthew 3, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, as well as the baptism by fire, we need both. They have been sent by God to preserve our lives. And I just pray, you know, and I hope that we as a people, those of us who know God, and then those of us who will come into relationship with the Lord will allow ourselves to remain in that place of continual baptism so that we can be purified and refined in God's presence, but that also that the flame that is produced from our life would show people the light of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Ebony, for being on with us today. Appreciate it. And God's blessings on all your your work in ministry and and as he leads you in what sounds like another maybe radical decision. Yeah. And yours as well. God's blessings upon you in this podcast. Pray that It reaches every chosen vessel that he has established it to meet and serve. Thank Thank you again. Thank you so much. Thanks for tuning in to the Enjoying the Journey podcast brought to you by Rise Ministries. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and to follow Rise Ministries on any of our social media channels. Thanks for listening.